listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 361 and 362. You're listening to Fed by Ravens, where we have been continuing the oral tradition, basically talking through the story. Uh, You know, we're not complete experts on every little thing, but we've been following the narrative. Right. And we couldn't possibly cover everything in the Bible. It's so rich, but we have been, I think, comprehending the story and seeing kind of the rhythm and the story of our own lives as we've been called into God's great story. So really happy, and I'm trying. I'm a little bit tired today, but I'm also so excited. (laughs) This is the penultimate episode. I mean, 362. We're on day 362. Yes. And so tomorrow we will do, or not tomorrow, the next episode will cover three days. Yes. And that will conclude Fed by Ravens, and we will have a celebration uh, before we start again in the uh, the year 2019. All right. Okay. I mean, I don't know if we'll... I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. Let's just get to what we'll we do. We'll keep you guys posted. What is the OT for today, bro? Our Old Testament for today is Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 4 through chapter 9. Thanks, man. You've really improved. Well, one day I'll listen to all these and, <laughs> and laugh to myself at all the mistakes I've made in, in guitar playing. You finally got it. Chapter... Day 362. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> Chapter 7. Always a work in progress, Matt. Always the cycles and rhythms of life. Nehemiah. He really did it. So he set up his, uh, his brothers as governors. Mm-hmm. And then God puts it on his heart to assemble all the people. Yes. So he wants to check out everyone's lineage because, again, this is their, their whole thing is they want to return back to the original idea that God had put into them 600 years ago when he led Joshua into the promised land, which is, this is a land for you, the people of Jacob. Is it really 600 years? Sometimes I just say those numbers. Yeah, you know. it's been over 600 years at this wow. point. So that's like double the United States history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or more. Yeah. So uh, 600 years, we're going back. And so... And a big thing is we are the people of God, and it's through genealogy at this point, and we want to be able to trace our, cell, our lineages back and understand like each tribe has its role and position. Because that was important to God. That was important and to God. If we're going to do this again, mm-hmm. we're going to do it right, and we're going to build it um, the way God built it, mm-hmm. with his order and what's uh, important to him. And so he ends up finding the list of records of the people that came back when Cyrus allowed everyone right. to go back, which was 90 years ago. Nice. And he finds the original records from that. And it's actually the same records that Ezra found. Perfect. And recorded, and so he just repeats the original list of uh, exiles that returned back in the days of Cyrus. So here's what's fascinating in chapter eight: Nehemiah, recognizing, "Hey, I'm just the governor," um, calls Ezra. Yes, Ezra shows up and starts reading the book of the law of Moses. Now, most would agree this is basically he reads Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. and he's reading the word of God for about six hours. Yes. And the people are standing around. But then I realized this is kind of a modern-day 
preacher. Yes, it totally he, is. He's on a wooden platform. Mm-hmm. He's opening the scriptures in front of them, and then like the leaders are standing to his right and to his left. People are saying amen. They're lifting their hands. They're bowing down and worshiping. I mean, he's preaching. He's making, and the Levites are like explaining things. Mm-hmm. What a cool like six-hour church service. Yeah. So let's he, do it. <laughs> he's going through all of this, and it's like again, it's right after they finish the walls. This is kind of like. A big moment, like, this is done, now let's read what God has done for us. It let's remember. It wasn't just a build to build. Mm-hmm. It was for a purpose. Right. This is just a part of it. And so as he's reading, and he's reading the law, and the law is hitting the people of Israel, yeah. and they are weeping. Totally weeping, and they have to say... And to the point where uh, the, the Nehemiah and everyone, all the leaders are going, okay, there will be a time for weeping... But we're rejoicing in what God's done for a, us right now. It's a holy day. So. It's a. It's going to be a holiday. Get out the wine. Get out uh, the lambs. We're going to have a feast. We're going to barbecue. And uh, he says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yes. So I know you've just looked in a mirror mm-hmm. and you've realized, wow, what a mess. And you're crying because you left all these great promises of God. But this is the day we're celebrating because those promises are back. And I just am hit by the reality that God's word moves our hearts. Yes. The word of God is what creates life in us. And so this is a holy day, a return to God's word. And it's comforting for me because I often try to, and I think it's okay to work at your craft as mm-hmm. preaching, but realizing, man, I could read Deuteronomy for six <laughs> hours and the Lord will do the work. Right. No stories, no funny little, mm-hmm. hey. Anecdotes or metaphors. <laughs> exactly. Um, so God's word's doing its work and then, so they return to God's word, but then this, uh, this Exodus theme comes back and it's like, Hey, we got to celebrate the feast of booths. Moses commanded us to do this. Never forget that we once were slaves and God brought us into freedom. Um, yeah. So I did, that is cool. I didn't really, I wasn't really thinking about that, but yes, the The, feast of booths. Yes. It's to remember the wandering in the wilderness, but also for them now, it's to remember their time in Babylon and Persia. Well, I think the Feast of Booths is the Christian experience pre mm-hmm. or post Christ in a nutshell. Right. I mean, I'm even, I'm even seeing that in Revelation right. where it's like that is the predominant story. Like God will judge those who enslave his people and bring you out to freedom, and then your response is to worship him. So then they have this really... So then the, the Feast of Booths is actually like a, like we do... From time to time, we've done church family camp. Yeah. And that's basically what it oh, is. that's an old throwback. Yeah. <laughs> is they, um, they build uh, tents basically out of uh, uh, branches and yeah. palm fronds Booths. and stuff like that. And they build them on top of their homes or in their courtyards, and they just kind of put up like tents and they live in these tents and have barbecue and like campfire stuff like for a week. And they remember that God provided for them in the wilderness and was leading them somewhere. So they hear God's word, check. They confess, check. Mm -hmm. Then they fast and they separate themselves from every kind of unclean thing, including foreigners. And uh, there's more preaching. Like they, they read for three hours about, they confess for three hours. And there's this beautiful prayer. I think it's in chapter nine where it 
it's all about blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. And then uh, verse 6 through 37, I named it a total recall. Yeah, so after the Feast of Booze, then comes the time for confession and repentance. And I was realizing one of the reasons they separate themselves from the foreigners is not just because they're unclean, but because they're recalling yes. their ancestral sins and confessing the sins of their ancestors. And the foreigners don't have to do that because they're not part of their ancestry. Right. And so they are doing, like, it's again, I feel like we're kind of disconnected. I'm disconnected from that yeah. idea of, oh, yeah, I'm you part of are. a lineage. I'm part of a lineage of sinners and their sins have affected me in some way. Mm-hmm. And to be able to confess that and ask God to break the pattern of those of generational sins over me. Because it's starting to move from your individual choices of sin. Mm-hmm. Yes, they need to be covered. But you also carry the sinfulness. You have mm-hmm. the disease. It's yeah. Sin is a condition that has been passed down to you from uh, your, your lineage. Yeah, Going so back to Adam and Eve. Giant thing of corporate... Uh, confession and repentance, and we get to your total recall well, as part of it. In, in verse 6 through 37, I can't read it all, but it's worth reading. Chapter 9, mm-hmm. verse 6 through 37 of Nehemiah is worth reading. It's a total recall of the history of God's people. Only the new part is uh, at the end of it now, so you go through Abraham and you go through the Exodus and mm-hmm. you go through the building, and then but now you have this new section of we we got we were brought back from babylon mm-hmm. and so but it ends with uh, but we're still slaves cuz we're treating each other like forgive us um, but it starts off i mean i just want to say it reminded me of stephen yes when he um, I, me too before yeah. he's martyred he basically goes through the history mm-hmm. he has this great speech and it's like this and i realize this is all ta- a lot of it's taken from the psalms mm-hmm. um, but it's praising the lord the god of creation it's praising him for everything down to you know our clothes did not wear out and our feet did not swell mm-hmm. and our shoes didn't for 40 years in the desert you provided you prevented you poured out your power and so we praise you um, and and so this is where they're at now. They're at the place of recognizing who they are, who God is, what God is doing with them and in them. And I would say the whole theme of this sex- section is uh, summed up in uh, chapter 9, verse 33. Mm-hmm. Yet you have been righteous in all that has come upon us, for you have dealt faithfully, and we have acted wickedly. There it is. And just this idea of no matter how many times we've rebelled against you, Lord, you did not remove your presence from us. So here's a practical thing I've learned this year. I learn it every year, but more and more each year I live, which is I start to fight. I start to kind of fight with myself like, oh, I'm not that bad. Lord, I did this, but I didn't do that. Or I don't want to just admit like, oh, I have a lot of pride. Mm -hmm. But really the freedom comes in that verse where it's like the sooner you're able to go, you know what, Lord, if I didn't make that choice, like I didn't choose to sin yesterday, and instead of feeling good, like, oh, I didn't sin, you can still say, Lord, I know it's in me. Mm-hmm. But then you don't stay there. I know right. it's in me. I'm going to fail you. You're like, I know it's in me, yet in your love and your mercy and your slowness to anger, you have saved me. And that's where I'm going to be anchored and go, thanks, Lord. And now I'm going to live my day Yes. under his reign, knowing that whether I've chosen to sin or not, I am sinful. Right. And so that's like the thing that seems to help the people because throughout the whole story, it's always saying, well, we brought the sacrifice Mm -hmm. and we did the right things. We just added some things. And it's like, 
we have a hard time getting that um, sin is a condition and that God meets us in that condition over and over and over again. And so if you can recall the people of God and recall your life and give him thanks every day, centered on his word and then anchored in his forgiveness, you're going to make it through the wilderness and you're going to see some cool stuff happen, some cool, some cool walls be rebuilt in your life. Thanks, Nehemiah. Yeah. All right. Our New Testament reading for today is Revelation chapter 18, verse 17 through chapter 19. Well, well, well. Revelation. We are continuing, as you said, the psalm of the anti-people of God, the anti-church. Yeah, so this is actually, well, we're going to finish, we're still in the middle of, I think verse, or chapter 19 gets us through the end of the fifth scene mm-hmm. of the end times. And so um, we just had the great city of Babylon fall. Mm-hmm. Like she was the, uh, basically, well, not even basically, straight up, symbolically, a harlot. And so we're finishing the psalm, yeah, of the, the people outside of the people of God, mm-hmm. finally mourn and repent of something, but not to God. No. They're mourning for the loss of their great city. They still won't repent, mm-hmm. um, but they're so sad that their city is coming to an end, like being obliterated. It can't stand up against the righteousness and the fury of God. Right. And so then you have... Um, some great, so that's kind of the end of 18. 18, but there is in chapter 20, or chapter 18, verse 20, you see that the, remember the, the martyrs under the altar earlier? Mm-hmm. They cried out for vengeance, mm-hmm. and Lord, the Lord said, hey, don't worry, I got this. Yeah. Well, now it's happening, and so uh, rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. Mm-hmm. So it's starting to shift now from we see the, the spiritual reality of um, of what comes to all the people who look like they're prospering for doing evil. They are not. And so all the saints will rejoice. Then an angel took up a stone, like a millstone, and threw it in the sea, which is so interesting to me because the sea is evil, right? Mm-hmm. It's chaotic. But the millstone, Jesus says, like, if you lead one of my little children astray, it's better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck. And cast into and the cast sea. cast into the sea. And so you, you can kind of see, like, Jesus... He said it once, and now it's actually part of the end times where the great city, the prostitute, mm-hmm. um, and I believe, at, I don't know if it's, is it this point too? Well, we'll get there. And then where he the does beast, say the, the reason beast. is because you've deceived all the nations by your sorcery. Yes. And he's like, you've led people astray, so mm-hmm. I'm throwing you into the sea. It's the thing Jesus said. Um, and then you have the total, it's just basically the end of um, the nations, all the nations who are deceived by the sorcery of the demonic and the beast. So it's all preparing and introducing a great uh, celebration. Yeah. So I was thinking, you know, it's like the destruction of your enemy. It's destruction for one side, but it's a total victory for the other side, right? Right. And so this is where we get our, our V-Day, Victory Day parades. Yeah, so 19 starts off with the celebration of the saints finally crying out and celebrating that this day of uh, judgment has finally arrived because there needs to Do- be judgment. Doesn't Hallelujah 
mean like God saves? Uh-huh. I think so. So they're, they're all singing out, Hallelujah, God is saved. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is like the Super Bowl parade for right. the, the winning side. And um, the world was deceived, all the killed martyrs, uh, all the innocent blood, all of that, all the oppression, all that stuff, now God is taken care of. Mm-hmm. And so rejoicing in heaven, this is the end of the fifth scene, and you have all the normal players come back. Mm-hmm. So we got the, the 24 elders, yes. which just to remind everybody, that's the uh, tribes, 12 tribes, plus the 12 disciples that represent the, the people whole, of God. The whole people of God before and after Christ. You have the four creatures, mm-hmm. which the four corners of the earth. Mm-hmm. And if you remember back to like day one, Matt, day one of Fed by Ravens, we were talking about the characters of the story. Yes. The people of God, the earth, yes. and the need for land and temple and all that stuff. And then God himself. Mm-hmm. And so you have that here at the beginning of chapter 19. All the people represented in the 24 elders, the four creatures are there, and then a voice from heaven, God himself, speaks. And mm-hmm. it is, praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. And so basically the dinner bell is ringing, and uh, we enter into a great scene which ties together a lot of things, the marriage supper of the lamb. So as the prostitute is being destroyed, mm-hmm. the woman, the church, is being beautified for her wedding day. Yes. Being, um, getting ready for now the great wedding feast that Jesus himself invited all to, mm-hmm. but many refused and were too busy for it and pursuing after the other, other woman. So we have this marriage, this celebration supper mm-hmm. of the church is finally with Christ. We are celebrating and we are given the line, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And the angel who's with John says, these are the true words of God. Oh, well, even before that, the imagery of that, what we're clothed with. Oh, yeah. The fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Like, we're cleansed. We're, our wedding gown is put on us. Mm-hmm. And he says the righteous deeds of the saints. What you realize is, this is the righteousness of Christ that has been promised to us, given to us. It's been told to us that you are covered in this righteousness. And right. so the deeds that he's referring to are your one deed, which was, God have mercy on me. Mm-hmm. Great. Now you're covered in the righteousness of Christ and ready to be married to me forever. And so the angel's telling him this. He worships the angel. He like falls mm-hmm. down and the yeah. angel's like, whoa, whoa, hey, we don't do that. We only worship God. Mm-hmm which is like another theme throughout the, the scriptures. And then, yeah, that line that, that you said, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Mm-hmm. So there's a beast who speaks false, and we see Jesus, the word made flesh, and right. dwelt among us, is the spirit of prophecy. He was telling us the truth. And, and you start to think like, basically we're betrothed to God right now. Our salvation is a betrothal. Yes. Like, yes. he's committed and he said, will you marry me? And we've said yes. And now all the preparations are being made for this wedding day. So we're longing for a feast. So the, the, basically the, the marriage supper of the Lamb is a feast like the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. But the difference is the Lord's Supper, we eat a small little meal mm-hmm. by faith. This meal is going to be by sight and direct experience. So, like, there's a meal coming when it's not, faith is no longer needed. Mm. All will be plain, you'll be feasting, 
and rejoicing, it'll all be over. And I think of uh, 1 Corinthians 13, like faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Because yeah. faith, there'll be an end to faith because we'll have sight and the hope will be fulfilled. And so the only thing left forever and ever is our love for God and one another. So that's what's going on for um, us. For the people of God. For now, those who trust Christ. There's another feast oh, there's coming a, on. There's a different feast happening in the rest of 19. Interesting. What's that feast about? Well, it starts off with heaven opening and a white horse showing up. And on the back of the white horse is the one sitting called Faithful and True. In righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on that that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. Okay, so let's contrast this with the first time Jesus came. Yes. On a donkey. On a donkey. Humble, little children praising him, laying down palm fronds. Mm -hmm. He's coming in, crying over the city of Jerusalem, who kills the prophets, saying, I've come to save you, and I bring peace. Mm Mm-hmm. But there is a time when Jesus shows up on the white war stallion mm-hmm. with the sword, the double-edged sword, the word of God, and he's clothed in all his divine majesty. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Yes. Oh. And so it says... And from his mouth comes a sharp yes. sword. So like the word of God, the double-edged sword. And he's going to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with an iron rod. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. Then and, and on his robe. Oh, yeah. And uh, on his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. So literally, it's, all, it's time for everyone to meet their true maker. Yes. So then we have an angel who shows up standing in the sun, and he calls to all the birds and says, Come and gather for your great feast. Yes. You are going to feast on the flesh of all the kings, captains, mighty men, horses, riders, and all men, both free and slave, both small and great. Wow. So the uh, God says, you know, blessed are those who fear me, small and great. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the anti-feast. Mm-hmm. This is, you're all invited to a feast, either with the, the marriage to the lamb or to the destruction of all things. Only, here's the bad news. It's not you who are going to eat. Mm-hmm. It's all the vultures and all the birds, the carry-on flesh-eating mm-hmm. birds are going to clean up the, the earth. The earth is going to have a feast now. And so this actually calls back to Ezekiel, mm-hmm. uh, where Ezekiel is told to prophesy to the birds of the air to come gather and have a feast because the... Uh, enemies of God are gathering to make their final war against him. But Jesus gathers them together and destroys them. Which, Jesus does make mention of this. I think it's like Luke 17, where he's describing the end Mm -hmm. times. And he says, one will be working like in the fields, and they're taken away. Mm -hmm. And the disciples say, where are they taken away to? And he says, where vultures gather. Mm -hmm. And we've always interpreted like, oh, there's like some kind of secret rapture where we're taken away but obviously from reading the story no 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 they're taken away to where vultures gather mm-hmm. is the place of death right we're the ones who inherit the earth and we'll have it cleansed in the deeds of Christ where we get to feast and inherit the the meek inherit the earth not the wicked and so the beast and the false prophet gather its armies 
but they are captured. Mm-hmm. They are thrown into the lake of the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, and the rest of their army is slain by the sword. Oh, you know what I just understood? If the ocean is always chaos, right? Mm-hmm. Naturally, it's chaotic, and we can't. We haven't mm-hmm. even searched its depths. So it's like the chaotic ocean. What could make the chaotic, rough, drowning ocean worse? If it was made of fire. Because, <laughs> like, total, like, uh, water purifies and mm-hmm. drowns, um, and, but you can float. Well, then when the water turns into fire, yeah. it's like you're done. You're done. Complete destruction. It's over. Well, the good news is the two, so the two beasts are going to be destroyed here. But yes. the idea, I think, in the next chapter, we'll, we'll talk about next episode, the dragon is still has to be dealt with. Yes. So all this is to say... There's two meals, and for those of you who trust Christ and regularly attend the Lord's Supper, start to look at that as a great comfort. This right. is, every time we do the Lord's Supper together, Jesus says, as often as you gather, like try to do this, because it's a foretaste, it's reminding you of, the, of your hope and the surety that we are married to God, we are married to Christ. We are part of his body. We are one and he's going to make it complete. Not just by, uh, it's not just by promise and faith forever. It's going to be made whole. So I just think when I was engaged, you know, I have this, Mm -hmm. I'm going to get married in six months. I'm so excited and we're making preparations, but we're not married yet. Right. And we shouldn't live and act like we're married yet. Mm -hmm. Because when that day comes, it's going to be amazing. We're actually going to be, it's not going to be just by faith. Like you're still going to marry me, right? It's like we are married, and that's what's coming for the people of God. And so Revelation, once again, is a great comfort to those of us who are trusting Christ, both small and large. <laughs> great and small. That's what I wanted to say. There you go. Not large. Large in power. Thanks, John. <laughs> I'm, get, I'm getting less smooth the closer we get to the end. Our psalm for today is Psalm 148 verses 7 through 14. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, a stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. Boom! You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace serve the Lord. We'll talk to you next time.